church, are you, are you ready for the day when Jesus is going to make everything all right? You ready for it? That was weak. Are you ready for the day in which Christ makes everything great again? Amen. Oh, church, I'm glad you're here this morning. My name is Luke, one of the pastors at Holland Chapel, and I'm so thankful that you chose to worship our Savior with us today, even on this rainy day. Anybody just thankful for the rain? Maybe been praying for it. My yard is brown. I've been okay with it because I hadn't had to mow. You know what I'm talking about? Just burn it up. But some of you are like, I love rain. But, uh, but we need it. We need it. I'm so thankful that it's here. I'm so thankful that you're woke up and ready to worship. Last week, we were in our sermon series called God's Design. Still in it today. Last week, we had a word for the guys. And in that message, we just talked about, man, the responsibility, that male headship that men have. It's a tremendous weight. And, and God wants all men to rise up to that responsibility that he's placed on our shoulders. That there are no excuses that godly men are men that are awake. They don't fall down on their responsibility. So guys, I pray that this past week that God has used his word to help you grow into that responsibility. I pray that it was a challenge for you. Today, we are going to talk uh, uh, to, to women. To women. Uh, as, as Pastor Grant was up here and he was like, yeah, Luke's going to... Talk about godly women. Pastor Roger gave me one of them good luck thumbs up. You ever give it like one of them? Like, go for it. So if there's ever like a message where I just want to, I want to give a microphone to someone else, it's today. So ladies, are, are you ready? Are you ready, ladies? I need to hear you. You ready for it? Guys, are you ready for it? Listen, I, I want to tell you that, that, that today's message is this. It's for, uh, it's for us all. It's for us all. It's for the ladies in the room that are single. It's for the ladies in the room that are married, divorced, widowed, young, old. It's for you all. For the guys in the room, it's for you. If you're a single guy in here, you're just wondering, what, is, what, what, what does God want out? I feel like I need to date, man. This is We're, we're going to march through what a biblical woman is, what you need to be looking for in a spouse. It's, it's for us all. This morning, and, and I've got to be—I've got to be honest. When you, when we were, when I was uh, looking at God's design for women, and as I've grown older, like I've not given this just a whole lot of thought until God gave me two girls. Any dads of girls in the room? Man, I had, I had no idea like what this was. But as I was looking at Scripture, what, what I saw is that God has a beautiful design for women. He's got a beautiful design for women, and as I've looked at the Scripture, and I'm like. God, help me. I'm trying to raise up godly women. Uh, help me, Lord. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying. I'm just trying. But, ladies, I want to encourage you. The Word of God has a lot for you. Has a whole lot for you. We read this last week. I'm going to start with it again this week. It's, it's a quote. It says, our differences are not merely differences from each other, but are actually differences for each other goes all the way back to week one when we established this truth that we see in Scripture that God created them male and female. That God has a specific role for men and God has a specific role for women. That's nothing that we should argue against, fight against. It's something that we should celebrate. That, that each gender has its differences designed to complement one another and that is a blessing. But ladies, this morning, I, I want to say something to you. I want all the women to look at me. Ladies, the church over its history has done you a great disservice. Has done you a great disservice. We've taken 
the supremacy, the almighty power of God, the, the theology that we see in Scripture, and we've dumbed it down to make you think that your role is only to rock babies and a kitchen ministry. And ladies, I'm sorry. I, I hope that Holland Chapel doesn't fall into that trap. And, and, and right now, I can say that we, we were not there. Like we celebrate what God has done in creating women, and, and our desire here is for women to flourish and settle into the roles that God has for them, that, that what, we, what we see on the pages of Scripture, uh, the, the great uh, heroic journeys that we see so many uh, characters in Scripture follow, that, that, that's for you too, women. But, but as I've looked back and seen what we've done, man, we, we teach on Moses, awesome. Like God used him to, to do great things. We talk about King David. We talk about the 12 disciples. We, we, we talk about all these stories of these godly men doing crazy things for, for God, and we, we leave you women out. In such a way that it makes you, you think that your faith or your calling is less than that of a man. And as I'm trying to raise two little girls and one of them crawls up on my lap not too long ago, she says, Daddy, I want to be a preacher. Oh, dads, listen to me. Wrestle with that one. Wrestle with that one. Because I'm, I'm, I'm training my daughters in such a way that I want them to grow up and know who they are in Christ. I want them to know whose they are, that, that they can do anything that God has called them to do. I want them to have a mighty faith. But as we see in Scripture, what we see in humanity is that men and women are different. And so, ladies, why, you may have to have a man open a pickle jar for you. Your faith can move mountains too. And God has called you to so much more than you may even think. So here's what I want to do. I want to use real life stories. These come from John Piper. He was at a women's conference and what he said, and it convicted me. He said what we've done for women is we've given them a wimpy theology. And when we give women a wimpy theology, we get wimpy women. God's not called you to be wimpy women. He's called you to be mighty daughters of the king. So what I want to do is I want to read stories, real life stories of women that demonstrate bold faith, heroic faith, that their life is a journey worth celebrating as God used them to do incredible things. The first one is Mary Durant. She's the opposite of a wimpy woman. It says the opposite of a wimpy woman is not a brash, pushy, loud, controlling, sassy, uppity, or arrogant woman. The opposite of a wimpy woman is a 14-year-old Marie Durant, a French Christian in the 17th century who was arrested for being a Protestant, a believer, and told she could be released if she said one phrase, I abjure. Instead, wrote on the wall of her cell, resist. And it stayed there 38 years until she died doing just that. That's not a wimpy, wimpy woman. Gladys and Esther Staines, the opposite of a wimpy woman is Gladys Staines, who in 1999, after serving with her husband Graham in India for three decades, learned that he and their two sons, Philip, the age of 10, and Timothy, the age of 6, had been set on fire and burned alive by the very people they had served for 34 years. She's quoted in saying this, I have only one message for the people of India. I'm not bitter. Neither am I angry. 
Let us burn hatred and spread the flame of Christ's love. That's not a wimpy woman. The opposite of a wimpy woman is her 13-year-old daughter named Esther. Rightly named, I might add. Who said this, when asked about how she felt about her father's murder, she said, I praise the Lord that he found my father worthy to die for him. A 13-year-old woman. Krista and Vicky, these are the opposite of a wimpy woman. Krista and Vicky, who between both of them had had over 65 surgeries because of so-called birth defects. And both of them testified today through huge challenges. One quotes, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And this, even though my life has been difficult, I know that God loves me and created me just the way that I am. He has taught me to persevere and to trust him more than anything. That's the opposite of a wimpy woman. Joni Erickson Tata, many of you know her story, but she's the opposite of a wimpy woman. She spent the last 41 years in a wheelchair and prays, Oh, thank you, thank you for this wheelchair. By tasting hell in this life, I've been driven to think seriously about what faces me in the next. This paralysis is my greatest mercy. The opposite of a wimpy woman. The opposite of a wimpy woman is Susie, who lost her husband just four years ago at age 59. She then found breast cancer three months later, and then she lost her mom. And she writes these words, Now see that I've been crying for the wrong kind of help. I now see that my worst suffering is my sin. My sin of self-centeredness and self pity. I know with, with his grace, his loving kindness, and his merciful help, my thoughts can be reformed and my life conformed to be more like his son. It's the opposite of a wimpy woman. You see, ladies, God's called you to a mighty task. He's called you to be mighty daughters of the king. I need you to believe this about yourself, that God has created you for a purpose and he wants so much out of your life. He wants your faith to move mountains. Ladies, do you believe that about yourself? Let me hear it. Amen. I want you to write this down. Women were created to display the glory of Jesus. This goes all the way back to week one. If you remember, we, we said God created them male. He created them female. He created us all by design for a purpose to reflect the glory of our creator. So women, we're circling back around to that for you because I think you need to be reminded that women, you are created to reflect the glory of your Savior. You have tremendous value. You have a great responsibility in that fact, in that fact alone. You're created to display the image of your Creator. I want you to go to image, or Ephesians chapter 5. I want you to go to verse 31. Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 31, I want you to go there. I want you to turn there. I want you to take time to go there. If you know this passage of Scripture, you know that it's got a lot of context of, of marriage. And we're going to talk a whole lot more about marriage next week, but I, I want us to get something from this text to elevate your worth, ladies. I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31. It says, As the Scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church 
are one. So ladies, I want you to understand something. Since you've been called to display the glory and majesty and awe of your Savior, you have a job to do. Womanhood, being a woman in Christ, married, single, young, old, whatever it is, has some responsibility. How do we know this? I want you to understand something, ladies. A lot of times when we read Genesis and we, we, we read the creation account, we see that Adam was created first, and it's almost as if if we're not careful, I'm not, I'm not saying this, but if we're not careful, this is what we read into it, that God was like, all right, Adam, Adam needs something else, so he created woman, and, and, and it treats women almost as an afterthought. L- listen to me, ladies. Uh, man and woman was God's design from the very foundations of the earth. You are not an afterthought. And what we see in the New Testament, when Christ, uh, when, when Paul is talking about Christ and his church, this married relationship, he says, we can't have this illustration of Christ's sacrifice for the church without the woman. I want you to understand that. Without the woman, you are created for a purpose by design from the very beginning. God creating women is not an afterthought. What this should do, ladies, not not give you a sinful sense of, of pride and arrogance, but it should allow you to lift your head up, that God has created you for a purpose, to reflect the glory of Jesus. But you're not an afterthought. That, that God didn't say, all right, I'm going I'm I'm to make you know, something for Adam just to complete him. Not at all. You were created for a purpose, to reflect the glory of your Savior. And ladies, I want you to understand something. He has a masterful plan for your life. He wants mighty daughters, not wimpy women. I want you to go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. 3 through 5 is what we're going to read today. If you remember, we discussed verse 2 last week in our conversation with men. We're going to carry on this conversation for ladies. It says, similarly, teach the older women to live in a way that honors God. I want you to underline that, highlight that, ladies. Live in a way that honors God. They must not slander others or be heavy drinkers. Instead, they should teach others what is good. These older women must train the younger women to love their husbands and their children, to live wisely, to be pure, to work in their homes, to do good, to be submissive to their husbands. Then they will not bring shame on the word of God. There's a lot there, ladies. But the thing that I told you to underline is the point that I want us to discuss. Since godly women honor God with their lives. Ladies, if we're not careful when we read this verse, we, we, we only read the context of a married woman with kids. And ladies, we're going to speak more specifically to that next week. But if you are a married woman with kids, you've got a, you've got a big responsibility. You, you've got a major responsibility in your home to create a space of discipleship, to support your husband, to raise your kids in a way that, uh, that honors God. But we're not, we're not singling that out this morning. The very first thing that we read is that we, we, ladies, we need to live a life that honors God. That goes for all women, whatever stage of life that you're in. But I want to, I want to sidestep just for a moment, and I want to speak. I want to speak to single ladies in the room. So much of what we read in Scripture as women stepping into the responsibility that they have is in the home with the husband and children. But single ladies, listen to me. Are you hearing me? You do not need a man to fulfill God's role in your life. 
I'll say that once again, and I want you to hear me. Single ladies, you do not need a man in your life to fulfill God's role for your life. That he has called you in whatever season, whatever condition, whatever state that you're in, to bring him honor and glory. It's dependent upon no man at all. Ladies, listen to me. He's got a major responsibility for you. Once you step into marriage, once you have kids, of course it changes, and that's next week and the week after. But here's what I want to do. I want to read a list of biblical characters, these women who are using their lives to honor God. And this has been a joy for me to study. It's been a joy for me to look through the Word of God and see. And ladies, I want to encourage you this morning. While a lot of what we talk about in Scripture has, has, has men at the center of these heroic adventures, there are no shortages of stories that involve women. There's not. The, the, the Word of God is full of stories of women being used using their life to bring honor and glory to God. And I want to preface this before we read this list, that in this list we've got, we've got young women and we've got old women. We've got married women, we've got widowed and single women. We've got queens and we've got prostitutes. Anywhere and everywhere in between, God uses women. And he wants to use you this morning. So I want to encourage you by reading some stories out of Scripture Mary of Nazareth, the, the mother of Jesus. She was but a teen when an angel appeared to her and said that the favor of God has fell upon you. And she was tasked with one of the greatest journeys perhaps in Scripture. She was embarrassed, she was shamed, but she followed through in obedience to God. And I'm thankful she did. Ruth, many of you Know the story of Ruth. Ruth the Moabite was an example of unwavering faith and bravery in Scripture. After being widowed early in life, she stuck with her mother-in-law and followed God for all of her days. And God richly blessed her for it. Mary Magdalene, perhaps the most misunderstood character in Scripture, a demon-possessed woman who was healed by Jesus. When Jesus changed her life, she couldn't help but follow him. And what we see in Scripture is that she followed Christ everywhere. She saw uh, Jesus incarnate. She saw Jesus walking on the earth. She witnessed his crucifixion on the cross. And what we read in Scripture is perhaps she was the first person to see the resurrected body of Jesus. God chose a woman for that. Women, your life matters. Hannah, wonderful, beautiful story of a devoted, faithful servant, Hannah, in Scripture, it reads, Excuse me, sir, Hannah said, as surely as you live, sir, I am the woman who stood here next to you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and the Lord gave me what I asked. So I give this boy back to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And she worshiped the Lord. Her faith, her prayers, her commitment to God, once God delivered she said, that this boy is yours. This child that I've prayed for is yours. Lord, that takes a lot of courage, ladies. Deborah, 
We see Deborah as the only female judge mentioned in Scripture. She's known for being a compassionate leader. And if you've read the Old Testament, you know how rare compassionate leaders are. But she worked to purge the nation of those who kept Israel spiritually complacent. What does that mean about Deborah's life? She fought for truth. She fought for truth. And it was through her bravery and her prayers that God delivered. Esther, Queen Esther, showed great courage by telling the Persian king about a plan to assassinate him. And later, a plan to have all the Jews in Persia killed. With the power of prayer and bravery, she saved her people. God used Queen Esther. Priscilla and Aquila, you know the story of them. Priscilla, God used her in a a mighty, mighty way. It's a beautiful example of a married couple doing ministry together. It's a beautiful picture. I encourage you to look at their story. But one of my favorite examples is when Apollos was preaching. After he was done, Priscilla and Aquila took him aside and said, Hey, listen, you're doing a great job, but you've left out some of the story of Christ. And God used her to help a preacher. It's incredible. Rahab, the prostitute, first mentioned in the book of Joshua. Rahab's story is one of an unexpected person becoming a faithful servant of God when she hid those spies. The last one, uh, Lydia in Acts 16. I want to read this. It says, One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Many people attribute the beginning of the Philippian church to Lydia. God uses women. Ladies in the room, I want you to understand that. I want you to write that down. Phrase it like this. God wants to use me. Ladies, he wants to use you. Scripture is full of stories of God using women to do mighty things. Scripture is full of examples of women using their life in whatever situation, whatever condition, whatever whatever season they're in to bring honor and glory to God. Women, let that encourage you this morning. God wants to use you in a mighty way to bring him honor. The next thing that I want you to write down, ladies, is that godly women are clothed with strength and dignity. Godly women are clothed with strength and dignity. We get this from Proverbs 31. It says, 25 and 26, she is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instruction with kindness. Ladies in the room, you may be, uh, uh, you may be a, a new believer. You may be unfamiliar with the word of God. If you're a woman in this place and you've never read Proverbs 31, I want you to find that in your Bible. I want you to dog ear it. And I want you to spend time in it. Ladies, this is a beautiful passage of what we, what we see as this, this beautiful picture of a godly woman, a, a woman that wants her life, every aspect of her life to bring honor and glory to God. As we get towards the end of this passage of scripture, it says she's clothed with strength and dignity. Those are powerful words, ladies. She's clothed with strength and dignity. Ladies, this morning, when God made you and saved you, you became more precious than rubies. I want you to believe that about yourself. 
and that your strength comes from Christ and Christ alone. That your dignity, your value, your worth comes from whose you are in Christ Jesus. Ladies, did you hear me? Your strength comes from God. Your dignity comes from God. And nothing else. A Proverbs 31 woman clothes herself in this kind of way. But here's where we're at, church. We're living in a tough time. And as we've talked about each week, that, that Satan wants nothing more than to twist God's design and destroy what he has beautifully created. We're living in odd times. That's all I can say about it. Just really, really odd times. And, and here's what's uh, at stake, ladies, is the culture in which we're living is coming after your womanhood. It wants to erase it. You think I'm lying. It wants to erase womanhood. It wants to blur the line of genders. So much so that you, you don't know which bathroom to use. It, and men are now uh, playing women's sports. Your womanhood is being attacked. And you need to understand this, that God created you to be set apart. That's a beautiful thing. But our culture is twisted and it's sick. And it's coming after your womanhood. But as we talked about last week, that a God's man should step in and, and to uh, protect women. Men, I want to challenge you. Uh, protect women. Let's try to put an end to this madness. Stand up and protect God's woman. The world's coming after them. And also, godly men, protect woman, women in this way. Our culture over-sexualizes women. And men, we can put an end to it. Godly men, stand up for women. You think pornography doesn't affect anyone but yourself? You're wrong. Pornography aids in the dehumanizing of, of a woman created in the image of God. Godly men rise up and protect God's woman. What we're living in such a time in which our culture wants women to think that about themselves, that I'm nothing more than, uh, than a body created for man's pleasure. And, and what happens is that our, our culture desensitizes women to who they are created to be and whose they are. And before long, women have bought into this lie. Women have bought into this lie. And what happens is they think less of themselves. They think less of themselves in all areas of their life. We see this by the way they carry themselves, by the way they dress. It's a, it's a terrible place to be. Our culture has now tricked women into thinking their dignity, their strength, and their worth is found in how many boys look at them. Listen to me, ladies. Your strength and your dignity is found in Christ. Not attention garnered by boys. So, ladies, listen to me. Don't, don't believe the lie. But the way that you dress tells me how you see yourself and the value that you have. I want to read something to you. Let's see what Scripture has. 1 Timothy chapter 2, 9 and 10. It says, and I want women to be modest in their appearance. 
They should wear decent and appropriate clothing and not draw attention to themselves by the way they fix their hair or by wearing gold or pearls or expensive clothes. For women who claim to be devoted to God should make themselves attractive by the good things they do. And no, this passage of Scripture is not telling you that you shouldn't try to look nice. It's not. But it's saying if, you're, if your heart is buried in Christ, you will be glowing in Christ. You will be attractive by the things that you do for your heavenly Father. But listen, we are created very much different Men and women are created differently. And women are just more naturally beautiful than men. And all the guys said, amen. Can we just be honest? Every guy in this room married up. Every guy. We're just ugly. We're just ugly. That's the reason in the garden Adam was like, at last. At last. We're created different. And because we're created different, There's some guidelines for you ladies that aren't necessarily for us guys. But guys, if I have to have a conversation with you about dressing modestly, things are way off. Things are way off. But we're different. We're different by design. God created us differently. Dad's in the room. I'm not done talking to dudes. Dad's in the room with daughters. How your daughter dresses matters to God and it should matter to you. Don't act surprised when she comes down the hallway or the stairs on Monday morning and you go, what is that? Chances are it was bought with your credit card. Don't play that game. Guys, listen, you you have a responsibility. Go back to last week. Godly men don't fall down on their responsibility. That goes for you, dads. Her godliness rests on you. You need to make up your mind that my little girl is not going to look like that. She's not going to dress like that. She's not going to believe the lie that the world wants her to believe about herself and her body. Dads, that's on you. It's on you. Godly men protect godly women. But ladies, the way that you dress matters to God. Be clothed with strength that comes from him and dignity that comes from him. Don't diminish the image of God. Don't diminish the precious creation of womanhood into thinking that I've got to dress and look a certain way to find my value. You're far more precious than that. The last one, it may seem redundant, but we've got to talk about it. Godly women honor God with their speech. And you may think that goes with the first one, godly women honor God with their lives. But because men and women are created different, if we look in Scripture under the same scope, there's different instructions for us. That's why there's instructions for the way that you dress. You're just more beautiful than we are. And and there's instructions on the the way that you talk. Because, ladies, men figure out from an early age that, that we can get what we want by throwing our weight around and throwing some punches. Ladies learn at a young age that they can get what they want and throw their weight around by their mouths. If you have a girl in middle school, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Women learn the sharpness of their tongue at a very young age. And God has instruction for you. Proverbs 31 says this, her her words, her instructions are in kindness. Like her words are wise. Titus says she, she shouldn't slander. So what you say 
matters to God. Let's talk about the marriage context for a moment. Again, more on this next week. But I, I, I preach to hundreds of people each week. Like God's given me the ability just to grow some thick skin. If you're in any kind of a, a public uh, arena, you, you, you just grow thick skin. It just, it just happens. Not saying that, that some things don't get to me. Everybody's got opinion about everything. and They like to share it. But I've, I've got thick skin. I can go throughout the week and really not be bothered by a whole lot. But if I go home and my wife even whispers a thing, it cuts to my core. Married men, you know what I'm talking about? There's not a mean bone in her body. She doesn't even try to be mean. She just speaks truth, and it's just, what? Like, you think that about me? No, I didn't say that, honey. Chill out. Like, are, are you the woman? Like, right? Like, it just hurts. And, and I don't want that to go away. That, that, that's the precious intimacy of a marriage. But ladies, listen, I want you to understand something. Your words have power whether or not you think they do. Your words have power. And in the context of a marriage, I need to remind you, we're going to talk more about it next week, but, but in Scripture it says, dudes, it's better that you live on the corner of a house than inside with a quarrelsome woman. Some dudes are like, I'm going to go home and find a ladder today. And, and, and also in Scripture it says, all right, guys, uh, it's better that you walk out into the desert and die than live inside with a nagging wife. Some of you are like, I'm starting to walk, brother. I'm starting to walk. And, and God's like, I'm so sorry, man. Like, I created them this way, and I apologize. Some of y'all are out there. You're starting to walk. Listen, ladies. What you say, how you say it, matters to God. So in Scripture, when it says you shouldn't slander others, ladies, you need to know the temptation that you have. I'm not saying that guys don't have it, but it may fall at a greater responsibility on your feet. The tendency, the temptation that ladies have to gossip, slander, to cut each other down. I've got a third grader, and I see it already. Ladies, be careful. Be careful with your speech. And look at Proverbs 31. It says, her instructions are spoken with kindness. A godly woman has kind speech and her words are wise ladies pray over your words that they would lift others up not tear others down we're tempted I know but ladies the way that you talk much like the way that you dress and how you live your life matters to God it matters to God I want us to go to um Go to 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11, we're going to look at 11 and 12. With this mindset that men and women, completely different by design, completely different, but created for one another, to complement one another and go through this life together, glorifying God. 1 Corinthians 11, 11 through 12. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men. Some of you may need to Highlight this, underline this, maybe you struggle with this. And men are not independent of women. Some of you guys may struggle with this. It says, for although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. Male and female, he created them. By design, of course, to be different, but to complement 
one another. Men need to stop saying, well, he created me first. Well, you didn't get here without a woman. Guys, be thankful. You know what I'm talking about? Be thankful. Ladies and men, we need one another. God created us by design to complement one another, to bring our creator glory. When a man steps into his role and responsibility as a man, listen to me, he flourishes and those around him flourish. When a woman steps into her role as a woman created by God, she flourishes and those around her flourish. Let me pray for you. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the instruction that it brings. Thank you for a day like today where we can celebrate womanhood. And God, I pray for every woman in this room this morning that you would help her, that you would strengthen her, that you would encourage her, that you would lift her head up. God, I pray for all the ladies in this room that they would know their infinite value and worth in Jesus. That you've created them for a mighty task. That their faith can move mountains too. That you can use them to usher in your kingdom. You can use them to share the gospel. You can use them to disciple their kids. You can use them to help their husbands. You can use them in their workplace to bring you honor and glory. You can use them. I pray for the women this morning that they would understand that. And build within them a heart of discontent that they would want more. That they would want more. God, I pray for us as a church we're looking at your word, we're wrestling with some hard truths. Help each of us to do what you've asked us to do. God, thank you for sending Jesus. It's in him in which we have this perfect example. It's in him in which we have salvation. I praise you for Jesus Christ. We ask everything in his precious and holy name.